Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. This is from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, and Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's start in uh, Matthew 15. After going out from there, Jesus went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that area came and cried out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is horribly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. Then his disciples came and begged him, Send her away because she keeps on crying out after us. So he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and bowed down before him and said, Lord, help me. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, he said. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. Let what you want be done for you. And her daughter was healed from that hour. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God lasts forever. Would y'all pray with me? Father God, uh, Lord, we come to you. Lord, we give this whole service to you, God. Lord, my prayer is that every person in this church submits every part of themselves to the Holy Spirit, God. Their mind, their heart, their body. Lord, we give it all to you, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit flow through us, Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit dwelling in this room, Lord. All we have to do is submit to it, God, Lord. I pray that families are restored in this room today, God, Lord. Addicts are free in this room today, God, because the Holy Spirit and the power of your name, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, I lift up our pastor, Lord. Give him the strength and wisdom to deliver this message that you laid on his heart, Lord. And I pray all these things in your powerful name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Love you. It's beautiful. Wow. Whew. Thank you, Lord. God, we just enter into your gates with thanksgiving in our heart. And we enter your courts with praise. God, it's not a light thing that the God of the universe would rest among us and allow us to call him Abba. So, Lord, we honor this moment. We cherish it. What a privilege it is to come before your presence, God, and to experience you. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our minds to understand, and our hearts to apply that to every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And our text today is Matthew 15. Man, there's some text that you just come to that just stop you in your tracks. How many of you know it's not too often that Jesus is impressed by the statements and works of other people? 
Like he spends his whole time telling the Pharisees they don't understand their works are wrong, everything's polluted, their statements are wrong. But then from unlikely candidates, we find Jesus being stunned, shocked, and moved to act on their behalf. How many of you know you've done something when you shocked Jesus? Yeah. You've done something when you've moved Jesus' heart. And I think what happens many times is when we experience resistance or when we face a wall or come to something that, that seems to be limiting us from going to that next step, I think we begin to talk ourselves out of things that God is trying to see if we've got the character, the endurance, and the wherewithal to step into them. It's kind of like, just because I asked for something once and I don't get it, it doesn't mean that it's not for me. That many times God will chart a course for us that it seems like everywhere we turn, we're getting a no. You ever been there? Yeah. But that we would not interpret the silence of God as a no, but that we would interpret the silence of God as not yet. Okay? Because there's times we hear a clear no, right? And then there's other times we don't hear anything. And we've interpreted the silence in our life as a no, when really it's just God trying to see what's deep down in us and how much we believe what he told us originally. Yeah. See, when we quit the pursuit of the thing that God had promised for us, uh, whenever we experience an obstacle, we really reveal to ourselves that we really don't believe the nature of God and he is who he says he is. But that God would allow us to experience resistance so that we might build up our faith muscle to go through every seemingly, uh, every seeming thing that would be a wall to keep us from the thing that God had promised for us. So what God is trying to do is to build up an endurance, to build up a cry, to build up a hunger so that nothing would stop us from inheriting the promises of God that he has put on our life. Like this is what God is doing. He's cultivating and revealing how bad you really want it. Because here's the reality we've got to come to, and it's this. We have as much God as we want. You right now have as much Jesus in your life as you want. I hear people talk about culture and how to change culture. And I'm like, culture, here's how to create culture. Don't tolerate things that are antithetical to Jesus. And if you what you tolerate will eventually become your culture. So God is teaching us how to not tolerate not entering in, how to not tolerate entering into his presence, how to not tolerate mediocrity and lukewarmness, that if we tolerate those things, that will become our culture. But that God would use this text of this unlikely lady to show us what it is to push in, press in, and reveal something that moves God's heart in such a way that he acts in a time which was before he even should have acted. That this lady's faith 
went ahead of God's timetable and she pulled something from the future that wasn't hers yet and took that from the future and pulled it right back into her now. And that is what faith does. Faith reaches into the heavens and says, I know your future age is coming when everything is perfect, Jesus. I know that you're going to come when clouds of glory and you're going to make everything right. But right now, I can't settle for where I'm at. That right now, I'm not going to put up with what the devil's trying to do in my life. And I'm going to reach up into heaven until I grab it. And I'm going to pull it down into my reality. This is what God wants to do. And he's going to use a Canaanite lady to show us how to do it. Right when we get into the text, there's something. As an ancient reader in the Jewish history, in an ancient mind, you would have immediately been on the edge of your seat when you heard two things. Number one, a Canaanite. (gasps) Number two, a woman. (gasps) I mean, it's one thing to be a Canaanite, but a Canaanite woman? (laughs) That the Canaanites were the ones that the Jews had to drive out in order to inherit the land. But now the Canaanites are coming back home. What do you do when the unlikely begins to step into the room with Jesus while you're spectating, thinking you're with him? You've got to ask yourself, are you really with him? Just because you're in the room doesn't mean you're with him. That this Canaanite who said in Mark chapter 7 is a Syrophoenician. You know the last time we hear of Syrophoenician in the Bible? You ready for this? Jezebel. (laughs) So as an ancient reader, when you're reading this, Jesus is hanging out with his clean Jewish buddies. And in walks in Canaanite Jezebel. See, Jesus is reversing the story that even Jezebel, if she's willing, can come in and be here. That even Jezebel has a shot in the age that Jesus is ushering in. See, we like to cheer when we read the fate of the Old Testament Jezebel. But Jesus would have us cheer and hope that that Jezebel would get saved and be delivered and be healed. So in walks the Canaanite woman. And women in this day were like property. Like you like paid a couple goats for a woman. Like you bartered and they were, they sure couldn't speak up and say anything. Especially in a room full of men. This Canaanite Syrophoenician woman isn't going to settle for less than an encounter with Jesus. And every firewall she hits, she plows through. I did a funeral not too long ago 
And uh, this family, when they really wanted to, uh, people to pray, they said, hey, I need you to pray, but pray in the Pentecostal way. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you're praying for me, you better pray in the Pentecostal way, okay? <laughs> oh, some things are caught, not taught. Come on. So she busts into the room and dares to dirty up the environment with her presence. Why? Because she's got a daughter that needs a touch. See, it's as if the daughter's pain is her own. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You'd say, let it happen to me, God, and not my children. That's <laughs> why so I love the gospel story, because God sends his son. So we have a father who knows what it is to lose a son. Pain greater than something that could happen subjectively. So she busts in and makes a scene. And the Bible says that Jesus... Doesn't say a word. <laughs> Aren't there times where Jesus acts like you don't think he should act? This is one of these stories where I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? It's like you close the Bible and say, please let this have a happy ending. Like, oh, good, okay. So he doesn't answer her anything. It's silence. But she doesn't let Jesus silence and she doesn't interpret Jesus' silence as a no to stop and back off. So she pushes through the next firewall. You know who that is? The church. And the church says, get up out of here. You're too crazy. You're a Canaanite woman. You've got no business in here. So then the church turns to Jesus and says, hey, can you get her out of here? So now she's silenced from Jesus, rejection from the church. She says, no, I, I'm, still, I'm still coming through. <laughs> You're not getting rid of me that easy. See, some of us have had silence from Jesus. And then we experience rejection from a church. And we're ready to hit the ejector seat and to run away. And all we're doing is revealing we really didn't trust Jesus. We trusted the church. That a bad attitude can knock you off your rocker and keep you from pursuing Jesus. When Jesus is trying to cultivate in you a wherewithal that would say, nobody knocks me off my ground that I'm setting my face like a flint towards Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not gonna push through silence. I'm gonna push through uh, unanswered prayers. I'm gonna push through everything because I know what God said and I know what his promise is despite what the present tense situation looks like. So she keeps pressing. The church is saying, Jesus, get her out of here, please. So then Jesus finally speaks. Are you ready for this loving statement that he says? You ready? 
Should I give the dogs the bread that I'm to give the children? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, what is going on here? How far did the Syrophoenician, person that come from Syria <laughs> and has been cultured by Greece and is Canaanite by lineage, how far did she travel to get into the same room with Jesus? Then to hear silence, then to hear rejection, and then to hear a statement that seems to be antithetical to God answering the need that she's bringing to him. Should I give the children's bread to the dogs? Now here's what's going on here. And to understand this, you've got to get into the original languages a little bit. The word he uses for dogs is Kunarion, which was a small house dog that Gentiles would have if they were well-to-do in their home. Does it make a little more sense now? Some of y'all treat y'all's dogs better than your children. See, the Jewish mindset would use a different word in, in using dogs. It would use kuon, which would mean like a hound. So like the dogs that licked at Lazarus uh, while he was uh, about to pass away or as a dog returns to his vomit, that would be the word that the Jews would see as a dogs. The, the Jews saw dogs as scavengers and unclean and didn't make pets of them. Uh, but the Gentiles would create little house dogs that would actually live with the master. So Jesus is provoking her faith with this statement to say, should I give what goes at the table first for the children and throw it to the dogs first? In other words, Jesus is saying, don't you understand there's an order and a divine prerogative that I have? So my hands are kind of tied right now because my message is to the Jew first and then the Greek. Uh, that my message is to the Jew first and, and then the rest of the world. You're, you're out of place. You're, you're out of line here. I, it's not going to go to the dogs yet. It's got to go to the Jewish children first. You, it's not that your request is bad. It's just that it's not in sync with the divine prerogatives of God and his timeline. Now, if she would have walked away there, I would have been impressed. Hey, the sovereignty of God, I better not press in. I better just receive that and walk away. Oh, it's, uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't dropped down. How, how could God ever give me something when these people over here are so much better? And at many points, that's where we walk away. And we say, well, I guess it just isn't in the cards for me. Well, we know God spoke it to us. On, we know God put it in our heart. We know he stirred that in us. But the fear of us being wrong or the fear of rejection or the fear of it not coming to pass puts us in a position to walk away. Because to have to press in and maybe not experience it would be greater than just walking away so that we're still in control and we don't have to trust Jesus to give us what he said he was going to give us. 
should I throw to the dogs what's supposed to go to the children first? Now remember, Jesus uses the Gentile word for dogs. So this woman rises up in faith and says, wait a second. I know how the Gentile house runs and I know how the dogs operate in the house. Y'all got any dogs that are like table scrap lovers that won't leave you alone and they break you down and you just... This lady is saying, don't tell me about Gentile households, Jesus, because I is one and I can tell you how the Gentile house operates. You know what happens in the Gentile house? Oh, oh, daddy bread's uh, snuffleupagus starts dropping breadcrumbs and they start dropping off the beard and start coming down, rolling down the leg and then they get on the ground. And you know what? I'm not too proud, Jesus, to go up under the table and to lower myself to get in a position that I could catch a crumb that would fall off their beard. And then Jesus is astonished. Now, when you shock Jesus, man, you're doing some stuff, okay? Shocks him. Whoa. Whoa. This woman's faith had the foresight to go past the history of salvation in which God was in at that time. That she takes him back to the promise given to Abraham. Through you, Abraham, all nations would be blessed. He said, Jesus, I know I'm not in the right timetables here, but I know your heart is so good that you break the rules all the time and that I don't have to settle for crumbs right now. I can get down here and at least get a little something and it's enough to move your heart to move on my behalf and to bring a healing to my daughter. <laughs> that she said, I'll settle for some crumbs. And Jesus said, this very hour, let it be done unto you. What a story. What a story. I wish I had some breadcrumbs right now. Oh my glory! Great value. Pick us up, sponsor us. That, think about this, Dominic, that that's enough to drive out a devil. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that that's enough to drive out a devil. We might feed back here. I don't know, guys. Just, just, just rock on with me. I don't think I've ever been this far. Look at that. 
That's enough to drive out the devil. Oh, you want? Oh, you want the whole can? Come on now. Look at that. Look at that. I'm gonna sprinkle you, Julie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look at that. Oh, I already got you. Got double crumbs, double portion over there. I mean, look at this. Sorry. I mean, look at this. Just throw it. I'll have a strike on my janitor squad here. I don't want to throw it. I'm not trying to have a janitor strike. Oh, my goodness. Jason, look at that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, oh, I see, Regina, we're going to have to give you some, too. You're just excited about it. Over oh, on this side? Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. Oh, you want here, you wanna hand it out? Oh here, hand it out. Hand it out. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is what this is what she's begging for. This is what she's begging for. This is what she's begging for. I'm gonna put yours down your shirt. No. <laughs> He'd be baking bread, wouldn't he? When I turn this thing on its head, you guys are gonna be uh, really shocked. Look at this. Miss Barbara. Now what I found is is that when we're faithful over the little things, God will trust us with the big things. And this lady was faithful with the crumbs, which enabled her to position herself for the greater things. Oh, yeah. Huh? Doubled up. Okay. I think so. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Now, that'll put it in perspective of how little the devil is and how great big the God is. And, and here's what I know, store-bought. You'd think I would have. I could have had some stale bread and got the food processor out and, would have just been better, but I was in a bind. He's behind. Let's get in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, y'all can share it. Do we get? Do we get Larry? Oh yeah, do we get Miss Portia. Get y'all. Everybody get some. Get old Kevin over here. Yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. Get it. Thanks, Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we got to get everybody, don't we? 
Yeah. I get you, everybody. Uh, oh. Hey, now you're doubling up over here. I haven't had breakfast yet. He's having communion over here. Oh, we got you. The front row, oh my gosh. You guys know how to push through. You guys must be Syrophoenician women up here. <laughs> Canaanites on this front row. Oh, get over here. You got to get some of this. Did you get some? Yeah. But here's the problem. I'm about to turn this on its whole head. That some of us are like that lady and we're willing to settle for some crumbs. Just enough to get us through our problem, but not enough to supersede and live victoriously in our life. See, some of us left the room with Jesus a little too soon. It's kind of like Abraham. You remember when Abraham prayed for Sodom? He said, oh, God, if there'd be 100, and he whittles it down to 10, and then he walked away. What if Abraham would have whittled it down a little bit more? (laughs) See, some of us are too much like this Syrophoenician woman. That the biggest thing we're worried about is our immediate answered prayer. When God in the earth is doing something so much bigger than our personal struggles and our personal. See, see, that's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Ooh, come on. Acts chapter 2, it says, Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven. And filled the entire house where they were sitting, and tongues spread out like fire, and appeared to them, and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other language as the Spirit enabled them. See, the Bible tells us that the Feast of Pentecost, people would come from all over the world to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. It was the Feast of Weeks. It was uh, seven weeks past Passover. And what they were celebrating is in agrarian societies, the festivals and the celebrations were always centered around the harvest and what was growing at that time and what was harvesting at that time. So this was to celebrate, the Pentecost was to celebrate that the harvest, the wheat harvest had come in. And so you would take in your first fruits and you would wave this wave offering before God and you would celebrate with a feast. And guess what you'd have at this feast? You would have bread. 
So the significance of them speaking in languages they didn't know was hearkening back to the Tower of Babel where languages were split up and God had given up the nations and said, I'm starting over with Abraham. That now God is not splitting things up by languages. He's unifying them by giving them languages in which they would speak. See, there's a rhyme and reason to everything Jesus is doing. When Jesus sent out the 70 or 72 in some translations, and he sends them out to cast out devils and to do the works of the kingdom, when they come back, they're rejoicing that even the demons were subject to them, right? And Jesus says, I saw Satan falling. In other words, you thought that you were casting out devils. I saw Satan himself being dethroned by those in whom I would send to go out and to spread the gospel. You thought devils were going out. I'm telling you, God's doing something bigger and Satan's going down. That this is what he was up to. And he sends out 70. Now, why 70? Well, if you go back and you look in the Tower of Babel, it's a league of 70 nations that are split up because of those languages. So when Jesus sends out the 70, he's saying, those languages that were far off, I'm now bringing the gospel to them that it's going to go beyond the Jew and it's going to go into Gentiles and it's going to go into the entire world. And the story that I'm orchestrating is bigger than Jerusalem. It involves the salvation of the entire world. So Syrophoenician lady, it's not just about your little problem. It's about the salvation of the entire world. Get out of yourself. Get out of yourself and quit settling for crumbs. God's got bread for you sorry on the front row you just got in the splash zone like SeaWorld it's like SeaWorld up here so when the tongues shoot out just like nowadays everybody gets weird and it's like what's going on are they drunk and Peter stands up and says bro it's 9 o'clock I'm like, he must not knew the guys I knew. <laughs> nine o'clock was late start for some of those boys. He said, it's nine o'clock, but we're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied. <laughs> and he says to him in verse 15 of chapter 2, in spite of what you think, these men are not drunk, for it's only nine o'clock. <laughs> but this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God says, <laughs> that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants or slaves would be a better translation there. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Well, wait a minute. What's that? Did God just say he would give it to all flesh? Yeah, I think he did. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, did he just say that both men and women would have the gift? of the Spirit. Yes, he did. Did he just say that the lowly house servants could prophesy? Yes, he did. Do you know what the Feast of Pentecost is really all about? It's about God showing up and sending his Spirit so that all of us will get into the bigger picture of redemption and get beyond our individual story and say there's a world to save. We've got to get about the gospel of God and we can't be concerned 
little pity parties and problems. That God's got enough for your problems, but you know what? He's got enough for the entire world and you're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. Pentecost was God's intention for you and I. People say, well, I'm not Pentecostal. I'll say, yeah, you are. The church was born at Pentecost. You're Pentecostal. Whether you like it or not. This festival doesn't celebrate crumbs. It celebrates a bountiful harvest. (laughs) Numbers 11, Joshua comes to Moses complaining and saying, the people are prophesying out there. That's me and your job. And Moses says, oh, I wish that all of Israel would prophesy. (laughs) He got a glimpse of the glory. And pastors want to be the most spiritual people in the room and, uh, and have you be addicted to them where you'll have to need them when the Holy Spirit is there to say, man, I'll empower you. And you won't need or want for anything. And no man will be Lord over you, but Jesus will be Lord over you. And you can walk into the fullness of God. In Ezekiel, he gives the promise that he'll put his spirit within you and cause you to walk in his ways and obey his commands. In Isaiah 32, he says that the spirit of God is going to be pouring out from on high. And in Isaiah 44, I will pour water on the thirsty land and the streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. John the Baptist was prophesying under the old covenant. He was baptizing in water for the remission of sin, but he says a day is coming when there will come one that'll baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. (laughs) And John says this amazing thing. John 3, verse 30, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth belongs to the earth. And speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this. That God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the spirit without. See, the Old Testament prophets believed that you could give the spirit, but only in measure. That's why Elijah asked for a double portion, correct? But Jesus says, I'm ushering in an age where you don't have to ask for the double portion. Because I give the spirit liberally. Without measure. See, we've been asking for crumbs when God's got so much more for us. (laughs) No longer are we hoping for a few crumbs from Jesus every now and then. The Spirit is the Spirit which hovered over the face of the deep before creation. The Spirit is the Spirit that God breathed into Adam's nostrils. The Spirit is the Spirit that formed the glory cloud over the nation of Israel. The Spirit is that Spirit that Moses had a vision of the glory of God. This Spirit is that Spirit that resided in the Holy of Holies. This Spirit is that Spirit that revived the Valley of Dry Bones. 
This spirit is that spirit that Joel said would be poured out on all flesh. So I want to say to you, quit acting like a uh, Syrophoenician Canaanite. I don't want that to spill. I was going to check that. Because God isn't handing out crumbs. God is handing out. That God is handing out whole loaves of bread and everybody gets a loaf of bread. And what happens is when you get a loaf of bread, you kind of want to end up giving it out to somebody else that needs a loaf of bread. I wish I had some help. I wish I had some people that know what it is to grab a loaf of bread and chunk it to people because there is a feast coming. Lambert's ain't got nothing on us. Lambert's ain't got nothing on us. We're giving out bread. We're giving out bread. There's no limits. You don't have to settle for crumbs. 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 Go, Marcy. You don't have to settle for crumbs. Who's got one? Everybody got one there? Who am I missing here? Any brave souls out there? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we got bread. We got bread. We got enough bread to go around. We got enough bread to go around here. It's all right. Don't get religious on me now. Don't get religious on me now. We got this far. Let's finish it. Let's finish it. Let's finish it. That one gone. That's what happens when you're a youth pastor for a decade. You do crazy stuff. Now to him who can do exceedingly, abundantly above whatever we could ask or think. Okay, let's hand it to the sound booth, people.
That's right. Yeah. Today we feast that Jesus' blood has earned us the right to sit at the table of God, <laughs> at the king's table. Don't listen to the lie that this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't for you, that you'll never receive, that it's up to God when he wants to do it. Listen, he's already done it. He's waiting for you to step into what he's already provided. From Jesus' view from the cross, he was looking towards Pentecost. Jesus died so that you could be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So that he could impart to you every spiritual blessing. So yes, have the persistent faith of the Canaanite woman. Keep seeking, keep asking, keep crying out until the Holy Spirit fills you. But when you're asking, don't just expect crumbs. Expect power. Expect power. Acts 2.38, the people hear Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And this is what they say, what shall we do? Jesus is calling What shall we do? Peter responds, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to call the band back up. I don't want to belabor this or draw it out, but If you say, I've been settling for crumbs and I want all that God has for me, I want you to stand to your feet right here. And in response, if you say, you know, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come down here to the front and I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands, Roger. I don't, I don't want you to kneel. Roger, stand up. I want you to stand up, bud. Stand up. Lift your hands. We've been begging long enough. It's time to receive. We've been begging long enough. We've been begging long enough. God didn't create a bunch of beggars. He created sons and daughters of the Most High God.
Now open your mouth and just begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him. <laughs> New measure. If I could have some people that are baptized in the Holy Ghost, help me pray. Let's see them through to the baptism.
Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.